Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Christopher Hamsey, who's the founder of T-Launch. He's also an e-commerce and entrepreneurial pro. We're going to be talking about his journey with T-Launch and also some of the takeaways that you can apply to your own business as well. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. We're going to be talking today about really the journey of entrepreneurship, the journey of your startup. Uh, we'll be sitting down with Christopher Hamsey on the podcast today. He's the founder of T-Launch. It's a business that partners with a number of e-commerce stores to really help produce their products, to print their products, and they connect them with warehouses and distribution centers all over the world. Uh, we're going to be talking about T-Launch's journey today, and I think you're going to love this story because there's all sorts of insights that are going to help you on your journey. And in fact, if you're running an e-commerce store, you're probably going to end this podcast thinking, I need to go check out this website. I need to go look and see what they're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Chris, it's great to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, I gave uh, sort of my little spiel on who you are. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to have you, by the way, on the podcast. Go ahead and tell us, who are you? What do you do for a living? Yeah, so Christopher Hamsey. So um, about eight years ago now, we started T-Launch. And so, you know, it's one of those things where uh, we knew we loved e-commerce and we wanted to find a way to uh, help other people uh, do it. And so in the early days, you know, before print on demand, I mean, to start an e-commerce store was, uh, was a lot of money. It was a lot of investment. It's a lot of time. And now with uh, using print on demand, anybody anywhere can you know, have a store running in, you know, under 10 minutes. Well, and, and I love how you have filled the niche a bit with your business in that if I am, let's say, you know, 10 years ago, if I'm starting an e-commerce store and I'm trying to create a product or, you know, whatever it's going to be, I have to go through all the agonizing effort of, you know, who's going to make my product? How do I actually get it produced? Uh, who's going to print it for me? And you guys have done a great job of filling that support role in a way that really makes sense, especially for considering how easy it is to actually start an e-commerce store, uh, I can see how you guys have filled a really important need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been really gratifying because it's really shown that there's so many people out there that have the desire, but before they'd have to spend you know thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours to kind of just start and see if people even <laughs> want their product. And now they can you know, test ideas on, you know, on a weekend and know within a day or two, you know, whatever they've created, if people want it. So with no, with no risk. Yeah. And, and T launches, you bootstrapped it, right? I mean, you, yeah, yeah which yeah. I mean, tell me about that. I mean, that's, I, <laughs> I feel like every founder today is like, so energized around like, you know, VC funding and like, how do I find the investors? And it's always special when you talk to someone who they built their business themselves, they paid for it themselves. So talk, talk to me a little bit about what that journey was like. Yeah, it's definitely the real less traveled. So, you know, we've had many opportunities to get 
to get funding, but I've just seen it change too many companies. It, they, they go down the wrong path because the metrics the investors find important are not the metrics that I find important. You know, at the end of the day, it's not how much you make, it's how much you keep. So this idea that, you know, these guys have of going negative for years and years and years, and obviously it's worked out for, you know, companies like Amazon, but not everybody's on Amazon. And uh, I just don't feel like uh, going into the red uh, makes any sense. So yeah, for us, we've, I mean, literally nothing. I mean, bank loans and uh, and credit cards and and luckily, <laughs> luckily it paid off. But yeah, it's been a, been a real uh, interesting ride. So you've been in business for, uh, I think it was eight years now. Uh, you've fulfilled over 4 million items. Uh, eight years later, do you still love what you do? I do. Yeah, it's really, it's the, the business is evolving at such a rate where it's never boring. It's not, I mean, the way like things used to move uh, seven, eight years ago, like you'd have, a, you'd have an innovation every year, every other year. Now it's every month, something changes and every, there's a lot of competition now. So everybody's trying to get that edge of like, how do I produce for cheaper? How do I do something that no one else has done? And it's kind of a, it's a unique thrill and a high to kind of be in the, in the pack of, of those competitors trying to do the same thing. So I was reading about your bio and how, um, you know, you've been an entrepreneur for a while, uh, had a candy shop at the age of eight years old and that you uh, helped grow your family's pizza business, which we shouldn't have recorded this around lunchtime because now I'm just craving pizza. Um, was was creating tea launch sort of a natural progression of your entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, it was uh, it was probably inevitable. Like in the middle there, we tried. I tried not to be an entrepreneur, so I went to you know undergrad and my, uh, law school, and, uh, and I got my MBA. And I thought I'm just going to get a regular job because the the struggles I saw, you know, from age zero to <laughs> 25 were like that's not for me. Uh, and I tried it and I couldn't do it. So kind of just fell back into uh, <laughs> well, what, what was it about it that just didn't click for you? Charging, you know, per minute for my time just felt almost like weird, you know, it just, I couldn't do it. I just, and so you'd feel bad for the people who didn't have it, you know, and then you just felt like as a, you know, if I was a business owner, would I pay this guy 300 bucks an hour? Then like, and I just couldn't do it. I just mm -hmm. couldn't. So the idea of like selling something for a dollar and, and, you know, it cost me 50 cents. That just seems for me, that was the. The only thing I could swallow. So, is it is it weird not using your law degree? I use it all the time. I just don't use it for other people. So it okay. was definitely. Uh, I don't think it was worth hundred thousand dollars, but it was definitely. <laughs> uh, it was, it's helpful because it gives me a, a unique perspective on things that uh, I wouldn't have known otherwise when I got into this. You know, because think about most most people starting a business at so it would have been twenty eight. Like you don't know anything, but since I spent all that time in, in school, you know, I know much more than the, than the average person would at that age. So, well, it's, it's definitely a barrier for people who are thinking about entrepreneurship. They're thinking about their business and they're maybe in an entirely different industry. And they're thinking, well, I don't want to waste, I don't want to waste my experience. I don't want to, um, I guess, venture into new territory, but it does seem like kind of what you're saying that like, even when you make a big change, you still find ways to use that knowledge in some way. Definitely. Like I'd even say like the, so, you know, my family had restaurants my entire life up until uh, a year ago. And so even they think, oh, is, is making pizzas and answering phones, is that helpful to tea launch? It definitely is because those things you learn about people, customer service, just all these different things, just they all have an impact in unexpected ways in, in every you know, mm -hmm. aspect of your business. So speaking of customer feedback, I was looking at your website. I was looking at, you guys have an app. 
um, which I feel like that's always a great uh, milestone for any business like your own. Um, and I was reading through some of the reviews, and I think what was really admirable was you had a couple of you have plenty of amazing five star reviews, but naturally, you know, everyone wants to see the one star review. And I was looking at a couple of the one star reviews, and I thought your responses were really great uh, because I, I, a lot of times in business, when you get harsh feedback, the temptation as the founder or the business owners to be like, well, what do they know? You know, that these guys are crazy. And because sometimes you really do have that customer who's just yeah. nuts. And your response, I think, was so great, which was basically, hey, it's it's always hard to hear feedback, but we're so grateful that you left it. Talk to me a little bit about how you handle feedback and how you use it for your business. Yeah. So I mean it's never easy. Like those that bad review you're talking about in particular, it keeps me up at night. But um, because <laughs> we actually for those, so we had three bad ones recently, and they all had this the two pieces of feedback. And within a week, we implemented their changes and made it live in the app. And so it's it a bit frustrating they wouldn't give me a week to, uh, you know, to, to help them. But I would definitely take it all to heart because we're not big enough <laughs> to be arrogant about our service, <laughs> or our offering. Like I am the first to admit our our failures because we really that's how we survived. Like we have some very very big competitors. One recently just got, you know, 130 million dollars in funding, um, and they're just giants. But we've kept <laughs> alive because we really do provide. Uh, more access, I, I would say, but better customer service. We listen to our customers, and we really want to make this a collaborative process because it's crazy the things just I've learned from customers by just having conversations that I never would have known because I don't see every nook and cranny of the internet. But when you have you know hundreds of thousands of customers, like you just learn from them, and so we definitely want them to realize that we understand uh, and take all you know criticism to heart and try to make our product better. What, what's what's like the secret for the startup founder to, because um, you said something I think that's really valuable and it's basically you're letting your customers shape the product and sort of shape the, um, the innovation of the product as you continue to iterate on it. What's the secret to being open to that? Because there's some founders out there who their answer to this question is, you know, my customer, and they wouldn't necessarily say this, but my customers are idiots. They don't know what they want. Um, or maybe not even so much that harsh about the customer. Maybe they say something like, well, I know my customers want that, but that's not the product I set out to build. That's not the version I envisioned. What's the secret for being more in line with your perspective? I mean, we've, we've, we've gone against the tide and kind of like thought, okay, we know better in the last eight years, I realized that it's gone wrong many, many times. So now we've learned <laughs> like, just really, and if it's a small thing, like you know, these, those two particular pieces of feedback were, I mean, it only took a few hours to implement. So it's like, if it's something that could be done and it makes sense, uh, we're going to do it. If it doesn't, we have a conversation with the customer and try to either, if we can explain to them why this doesn't make sense and they agree with us, you know, we usually, you know, we feel good not doing it. But if we can't convince you know them that uh, this is the right path, we usually take another look at it and say, okay, how can we? Maybe we don't give them exactly what they want, but how do we give them? Um, how do we achieve the same goal they're trying to achieve? Because that's really at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how it's done. It's like, what's the goal? Why are they? Why are they upset about this piece of functionality? Because one thing I we do kind of um, you know don't like hearing obviously is like, oh, this app does this or this app does that. It's like it really doesn't matter what other apps do what. Like we don't need to be our competitors, but we need to be you know what 
you know, it was true to us, true to them. And so we kind of just, uh, it's, it's hard. It's really hard because there'll be some people that are just dead set against this is the way to do it. And you know, it's not the best for them. You know, like for example, you know, customers want to upload any size file. Um, it could be a teeny time file, you know, it could be completely going to look bad on the shirt. And so we kind of try to uh, error proof our processes. And obviously it doesn't make everybody happy because they're like, Hey, just, just use it. I don't care. And when you know when they get it, they're going to be unhappy. So we do have to kind of push back in, in some ways to make sure that we kind of protect them from themselves. And I like how you put that. It's I, I do think there's value in um, sort of that friction your customers feel, like pushing back on that in a way to ultimately help their um, end products not be awful. Because uh, mm-hmm. naturally, you know, you're the one who pays for that whenever you know comes back around. Um, I imagine getting, you know, obviously sometimes you get you get a negative review. I imagine that then on the flip side, getting the really great reviews, it's a great boost to, you know, the energy around like this is why I do this. This is why I'm, you know, doing what I'm doing. Um, the products you have on your website are those your customers' products or are those your own products? So those are so the, on the website. It just those are examples of just how we're looking. Okay. So all of our products on print on demand, they come blank. So it's whatever you want to put on them. So those are just, we used to have blank images on the site, but then people couldn't really visualize what a finished product looked like. And then, so we changed it now to have, you know, example images of everything we make. My favorite is the bath mat that says TP crisis survivor 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw that one and was like, Ooh, that's really good. So, okay, cool, cool. Well, so in eight years of running this business, um, is it hard to, because especially, you know, you've, you've been an entrepreneur pretty much your whole life. Is it hard to stay focused on this project as opposed to, I mean, I can't imagine you don't have different ideas that pop into your head, especially as e-commerce has continued to evolve and develop. How do you stay single-minded and focused? I'm definitely not. So <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I mean, it all, it all has to do, uh, it's all related but yeah, we have, you know, a dozen other projects kind of running because what we're trying to figure out is be the, what's the next thing? Like, obviously, e-commerce in its current form, you know, has been that way for, you know, 20 years. But there's something that's been, you know, changing rapidly. Like you think about before how, you know, now everybody buys on their phones, but that wasn't the case, you know, five years ago. And then now people are actually, uh, you know, having transactions via WhatsApp and via text message. And so, yeah, we have a, a lot of like longer term projects. We're trying to figure out what's that next way of, of selling and how do we make sure that our system works really well to that new, that new way. So Mm -hmm. has in terms of like distribution or like, um, you know, some of these, these, uh, facilities that you connect people with, um, have you seen COVID impact you guys or being online? Has that insulated you guys a bit? So, I mean, last year was, it was sales were up. I mean, obviously that was helpful. Um, you know, the downside was, is a lot of the factories had to, you know, reduce hours or close or, um, luckily we have redundancies in every product category. So we actually weren't affected pretty much at all, uh, last year. Um, and then we have our own production too here in South Dakota and, you know, it's the land of the free here. So nothing, uh, nothing will stop us from working, but, um, but yeah, it was difficult. But yeah, we definitely saw, I mean, it really changed our perception on kind of who our customer is and who the future customer is because a lot of, you know, regular people that aren't, you know, marketing professionals or, or big brands, you know, got into e-commerce uh, as something to do slash, you know, uh, additional income. And so it really shaped kind of who we feel our, our new customer is going to be going forward. So it's really mm. interesting. 
Yeah. And then is your team, are you guys remote? Are you guys in office? I mean, what does that look like? So we have, you know, we have some remote, we have an office here in South Dakota. We have an office in Lebanon. Um, and then we have a, a, a small factory in Utah. So yeah, we're kind of all over the place. Okay, cool. Whenever you talk to people who are um, struggling, because you're talking about sort of what I envision is like kind of the 2021 version of a, a, um, a business's like work professional, like where they come from, in that some of your office is remote, some of you are in office. Um, there's a growing conversation of coming from business owners who really hate the remote um, world that we're in. Uh, and uh, even some bosses out there who are listening now who are really pushing to try to get their people back in the office. Uh, it's hard for some people to think about remote work. You know, how do you how do you manage your people? How do you keep people all focused and doing what they're doing when they're not necessarily physically present where you are? I mean, luckily there's a lot of tools out there that's really simple. I mean, obviously if they're not if they're gonna goof off, I mean you can't you can't see that every second of every day. But you know, between Slack and Jira and other other apps, I mean, you know, uh, we know what they're outputting. So obviously if they're not outputting what you think they're outputting, then there might be some, there might be some funny business, but really, I mean, it had to take the right, the right employee, you know, who thrives in a remote environment. You know, some people are very like collaborative and need to, you know, sit next to somebody, you know, and then other people have to, you know, need that almost like that thread of someone looking over their shoulder to, to keep focused. So I don't know. I mean, we've luckily our, our crew hasn't, um, hasn't had any real issues with that. So, uh, for the near future, it's going to be whatever they're more, most comfortable with. So, so did you just did you just hire really well? I mean, what what are you doing I, as I think, a boss think, that makes it? No, I think the people that we hired remote are used to working remote, so it's just one of those things where we didn't. I think a lot of people have the issue when they're used to sitting in an office and then became remote. Yeah, sure. Uh, you kind of find the people who aren't suited for that. Versus if you've always worked remote because you live in a you know a small town in in Oregon or something like that's just you're used to it and you've you've kind of developed good habits that sure. Allow it successful. So, well, I mean, you, I'm assuming you probably find yourself giving all sorts of advice to people, whether it's, you know, hiring remote employees or what have you, uh, for people who are just starting out. Cause I think you, you made a really great point that with COVID, I mean, some people lost their jobs. Uh, other people are rethinking, okay, do I really want to go work in this office again? Uh, and so we're seeing a really big boom to entrepreneurship and the startup world. What kind of advice do you have for that brand new, entrepreneur who's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed who maybe even on social media, they've seen the ads of people who were like, you know, you can start. I literally just saw one today that was, um, I won't see the person's name, but I kind of cringed. Uh, but he basically said uh, how to start a uh, $5 million business in 90 days from nothing. And I thought like, oh my gosh, like the poor entrepreneur who's thinking like, I'm going to do that. You know, what kind of advice do you have for these optimistic people who are starting their businesses for the first time? Yeah, just go slow. You know, a lot of people want to be like, okay, let's quit my job. Let's put $10,000 in the Facebook ads. Like that doesn't work. I mean, unless you really understand how to do it, you're just going to lose all your money pretty quickly. So like I, I tell people, go go slow, try to sell to people, you know, like, I think you'd be very surprised at your mm -hmm. circle of friends and family, how much stuff they're buying online. And all you got to do is convince, you know, create the, the products that they would want to buy. And then just, you know, <laughs> just hit them up. I feel like, you know, if you did, Stuff that so we use MLM as a bad example, but it's basically it's direct selling. Yeah, but you got to have right. a product that is reasonable and it's something they actually need. You know, it's nothing that's you know overpriced, you know, skincare, or whatever. It's just something that <laughs> if you're going to go and buy a, a a customized canvas with your family's face on it from 
you know, X website, just buy from my website. Like there's a lot of, we've seen a lot of really good stories of, I'm not saying you're going to get a million overnight, but you want to make, you know, two, five hundred thousand dollars a month. Like that's very achievable, you know, mm-hmm. with the tools that exist with, you know, T-Launch and Shopify and Etsy. And, and, but again, don't start with running ads. Like you don't know what you're doing. Go very slow, get a base, understand the business. Cause that's why I think it's, it's so sad is these people that they'll burn out so quickly. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I, my, my budget was I'm going to give this business two months and $10,000. And then they blow $10,000 in a month. I say I'm all out of money. I still know what I'm doing. And they give up and quit. But if you kind of just make a store, just try to sell, you know, a few things here and there to people, you know, really understand the business. Um, it's just a much better, safer approach. It feels like I, I hear so many stories of people who are like, like their first step was Facebook ads. And I guess nothing against Facebook advertising, but it's amazing. I literally just talked to someone yesterday who he had no customers, like zero. He had just started his business, but he had already spent like $6,000 on Facebook ads. And was like, what do I do? Do I need to like change my niche? And I was like, why did you go to Facebook? But that, I feel like that is a commonality between new business owners. I think there's a lot of courses out there that that's what they teach them. It's like, oh, I can teach you to spend $5 a day and become profitable on Facebook. It's just too, and that was true in the old days, you know, five years ago, uh, it's probably, you could have easily done that. But now, you know, iOS 14 and all the different things with Facebook, you got to just go slow. Yeah. Go really, really slow. And again, I think it's, it's weird that people don't ask people that, that already, so basically you have to build, you know, someone has to like you and trust you to buy something from you. So why are you going after random people when there's all these people you already, you already know, like, it just was very odd that people kind of, and I don't know if it's a, a pride thing or they don't want to like think they're begging their friends and family for for help. Just you just explain them what you're doing, explain them why it's important. You know, uh, they're gonna want to support you. So. It feels like it's also a bit of a um, uh, I don't know if it's like a rejection thing. Like when you first start your business, like it's 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 a lot to put yourself out there, right? And so I've talked to a number of people who, I mean, they'll they'll go to Google, they'll go to advertising, they'll do whatever they can just to avoid. Like I was talking to a guy who was asking about my business. And it's like your story. I said, well, I just got out there and started meeting people. And he's like, okay, how do I, how do I avoid doing that though? Like, how do I not, how do I not have to, I don't want to really want to talk to anyone. I just want to sell it. Um, and so I don't know if it's like avoiding rejection or, or what it is, but it definitely feels like running a business. You have to get really comfortable with rejection and harsh feedback and, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. I got to develop a, a tough skin, which I'm a bad example because I still get, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sad by that kind of stuff, but you just have to be, get used to it. Cause it's just, there's no way it's going to ever, this is part of business. You know, there's no way you're going to, you know, speak in marketing or person to people that always want your product like you. And then unfortunately two people have gotten a bit more cynical on the internet and things they'd say to you, you know, in a Facebook message <laughs> is much different than things they'd say to your face. So you just got to try not to try and let it bug in. Yeah. It's definitely part of the business. So so, so what's next for T-Launch? What are you guys working on next? What's what's taking up most of your time? Um, you've been in business eight years. Uh, what's what's the eight, next eight years look like? Uh, so we actually just redid our entire app. It took almost two years and a half million dollars. And we just finished it in May. And so now we get to start working on the fun stuff. So before, you know, the app, it, it, you know, it, it makes the product for you. It sends it to the plot, you know, Shopify or Etsy. Everything's automated on the back end. Like it did what it's supposed to do, but it doesn't help you sell. It doesn't help make you money. And so the new, the new crop of things we're working on are, are aimed at that. So we're really excited about machine learning uh, as it pertains to image, manipula- image manipulation. So basically taking a photo of your family and doing, you know, turn it into a cartoon or turn you into a superhero. And there's like, 
there's some amazing things you can do now um, with machine learning. So we have a, we call it the personalizer um, that really helps kind of create, because right now that I mean personalization is hot. I mean, that's the biggest section in print on demand because there's no way to do a picture of your family on a pillow one at a time beyond using print on demand. So it's really hot. But then the problem is, is if you take just a, a stock photo that you had on your phone and put it on a pillow, like that's great, but it's not really, it's not really art. It's not really, we didn't do anything to it. And so what right. we're trying to figure out now is these other tools to make it really uh, obvious and kind of like simple to take, help, help our customers sell these personalized products. So that's the next thing. And then we have a whole bunch of new, whole bunch of new product. Cause we have, you know, this dual business of, we have the technology we need to build to make everything work. But then we also have production where we're introducing new products that um, no one else is doing. That's one of the things we do really well is we'll find products that people aren't uh, already offering mm -hmm. because like, you know, black shirts and white mugs, you can only sell so many of those. And so that's why I've gotten into these kind of crazy products because it just helps. It helps to, uh, you know, something different that I haven't seen mm -hmm. before on, uh, on Facebook or TikTok or whatever. This helps get clicks and, and helps you sell better. So. Exciting stuff. Uh, one last question, Christopher. What's the best kind of pizza? <laughs> Pepperoni. <laughs> I feel like you'd be the one to know, right? I mean, <laughs> it's been yeah, we did 20, 28 years of uh, a pizza, but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, I'm a real plain guy, so I'm not the one to ask. <laughs> yeah, keep it keep it simple, right? Yeah. So, well, Christopher, it's been great having you on the podcast today. What's the best way for people to check out Tea Launch? Yep. So just go to tlaunch.com. You'll see all the different uh, integrations we have and you can make an account and see all the different products. And then if you have any questions for me, just Christopher at tlaunch.com. Great. Christopher, thanks for being on the podcast today. I appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link to the website down in the episode description below. It's tlaunch.com. That's T-E-E launch.com. Also, make sure you check out their app and be sure to check out some of the cool, fun products they actually have on the website. Uh, including this awesome bath mat that I mentioned earlier. Uh, as always, if you enjoy the podcast, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click the follow button so you can keep getting good advice wherever you're at. And don't forget, if you love the podcast, you want to support the podcast, you can jump on our Patreon. It's at patreon.com slash good advice. That's patreon.com slash good advice. And as always, we appreciate you. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We'll catch you later. See ya.